Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. You have reached Venus Unplugged. This is your host, Lorraine Nightheart. And um, what we do here in the paradigm shift of Venus um, what we're looking at right now is the myth of Ainana, ancient myth of uh, Babylonian. And Ainana is both the goddess of heaven and earth, and she is about to make a descent into the inner world to meet her dark sister, Arishkagal. So just to bring it up to snuff from the last time, it was the courtship of Inanna, and she also is then given her the laws, which uh, she brings back to the to the cities. So, and uh, those laws have to do with the, actually the right balance of, of laws. And then what happens? She has this, she finds her honey man, and that is the connection to meet with the beloved, which is also the symbol for fertilizing the lands in the sacred marriage. Now, as this obvious, she's she's a goddess, but she is also has all the human traits, which also makes it so much more interesting and so much more relatable. So during the um, the beginning of the year, which was actually in around what in the Western world is Easter time, was always the sacred marriage and then her descent into the underworld, all right? Now, between, uh, there's this beautiful image of her and her beloved and her honey man, and it portrays the union of the goddess with her consort in the ritual of the sacred marriage. But beneath the nuptial bed is a scorpion, sacred to Inanna, which symbolizes her power to destroy life as well as give it. And uh, then as you begin to realize that, uh, you know, at some point somebody's going to get sacrificed. If it's an epic tale, you know somebody has to be sacrificed. And if you're living an epic tale called Your Life, something's going to get sacrificed or someone. Hopefully it would be something you've outgrown. And we can sacrifice that which we no longer need or that which we no longer um, kind of hold on to, I guess, we need to be childlike and filled with delight, but not necessarily infantile. That doesn't work unless, of course, you're an infant, then it's very cool. So the poem that is central to the Sumerian race and people is the one of this beloved Ainana, right, who is filled with a passion, a true passion for all things. 
then after she she begins to make her descent to the below. So as she begins to do that, and as the hymn continues, and after the marriage has been consummated, and the fertility of the land and the well-being of her people ensured, Ainana makes a second descent. Unlike the first, remember the first is when she comes from heaven to earth to participate in public ritual, and her second is from earth to the underworld. In her personal journey, for spiritual growth. So in this mythos, the feminine begins to, continues to grow in consciousness. It's not like, you know, I'm the goddess and that's it. It's an ever-growing expansion, ever-growing consciousness, and ever-growing understanding. And in this case, she is going into the underworld. And uh, to learn about the land of the dead. And she is queen of heaven and earth, but she does not know the underworld. Her understanding of life is necessarily limited, because I guess heaven and earth is a big enough job. And then she begins to enter into this spiritual realm of the underworld, which is so fascinating, because... It is about the earth, it's about the humus, it's about the dark earth, the the mystery of that, the mystery of the unknown, not the sky gods, not the ones up in heaven, but the ones that are deep, deep beneath our feet and deep beneath what we call the collective unconscious. So basically she's going into a shamanistic journey to meet her shadow self. So she has to give up her earthly powers and uh, her need to make the journey is compelling, but she's also obviously apprehensive. And she ain't no dummy, so before she makes this little journey, she she brokers a deal uh, with um, the the God of Wisdom just in case she's not back in three days, uh, somebody better come and get her. So what does this mean to the modern person? What When we you know, get our spiritual consciousness and uh, live our life and find the beloved, whatever or wherever that may be, have our children do our work, um, although people are starting much quicker earlier now in terms of consciousness, at some point, life is either going to demand a descent. Now, that can come as a depression. You wake up one day and suddenly you just can't shake the mood. Or there's a death. It could be the death of a love affair, the death of a person, a beloved animal, the death of a cherished idea. It could be the, the death of useful beauty and turning into the beauty of wisdom. So there's always some type of death lurking around. We spend a lot of time avoiding that, which uh, we can miss a great deal of wisdom 
and potential growth by wanting to keep the status quo. So in her descent to Arishkagal, I mean, we can see this in many, many different ways. We certainly, it is the ritual and fertilization of the earth, and then she becomes death and goes into the underworld, okay? But it's also a story of an initiation process into the mysteries, and every culture has their mysteries. And in the Western world, although it is not, acknowledged enough, we have great mystery schools. And um, most people are interested in the Eastern mystery schools, but there's great mystery schools, and that is part of the whole of the wisdom of this earth or what this earth can offer. And what, you know, not just what we can take, but what we can give. How do we contribute to being on this earth or becoming a human being. Just because we're born walking on two legs, that does not make us human. It is believed that it's an act of divinity. It's that journey into wisdom that gradually makes us human or the potential of the divine in the human here on earth. So Inanna's path and its stages... Um, as she's descending into the underworld, you know, it's a, a life-enhancing uh, descent. And she's discovering first the sacrifices of herself for a deep feminine wisdom and for atonement. She descends, she submits, and she dies. Now, this myth is three to 5,000 years before the Christian myth of the crucifixion. So this is the lineage of the matriarch. And the matriarch and the patriarch are, are terms of evolution. They're not, they don't have to be warring principles. They can be principles of evolution. Um, and then when we integrate them, which is what 21st century is about, what those two forces, those two paths, those two developmental stages, when they come together, when they weave together, when they become lovers, and the matriarch and the patriarch become lovers to one another, what can they bring to one another? What can be the third, what's called transcendent function? That doesn't mean we're going to swirl our way up into heaven, a transcendent function. It just means that marriage of the opposites, now when that, the, the only way there can be a marriage of the opposites or a union of the opposites is by equal powers. So this is, let's say, above and below, or male and female. And remember, uh, the honey man is... Man, she integrates with a human being. So, Inanna is showing us the way. How do we descend into the abyss of the 
dark goddess. Kind of what's the etiquette? You better know your laws and you better know your etiquette in anything in life. You're going to travel to another country, study their etiquette. See what they're, what, what that's about. Being able to be respectful um, because we can make terrible faux pas and not even realize it. And uh, it's one of the reasons we travel to see otherness, to experience otherness. So this is a traveling into the underworld, and even the the ways of the underworld are perfect, which is what the uh, they keep on telling her every time, every time they remove one of her earthly powers. Now, her experience. We need to understand this openness. And we need to have an openness. Uh, and what she's acting upon, essence of the experience uh, of the human soul faced with the transpersonal. So this journey is not based, nor is her myth based on passivity. It's, but it's an active willingness to receive shadow and light. So this process of initiation uh, is in this esoteric and mystical tradition of the West involves exploring different modes, levels, consciousness, and rediscovering the experience of unity with nature and the cosmos that is lost through the goal-directed development. So when the lights are out and we're journeying into the underworld, sometimes it happens in dreams, and as I said, sometimes it can happen in moods or and, or necessary depressions. Psyche will give us a depression um, and to protect us from inflation. You know, you were high yesterday, you went to a workshop, now you're like super dude cool, beyond measure, and the next day you wake up and can't remember a damn thing and you're just back to being your funky human self, which can be depressing. If we're not ready for it, that's psyche protecting us. It says, no, 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 no. And it's not that it doesn't want you to have your evolution, but it doesn't, you haven't really earned it yet. It takes a lot of work. Um, and, and, and the work is basically this the ebb and flow of conscious from unconscious, this constant awareness. Uh, so much of what we don't know about ourselves is what's really running the show. So in the depths, as she goes into this cosmic power within the earth, that's when we're taught a great deal of intensity and what it takes to live in a balanced life. So in the... any spiritual gain or any gain in consciousness is always a loss to the ego. So as... You know, it's like rowing around with one oar. We're going around and around and around and don't understand that the ego really believes it's God or runs the show. That's what the midlife crisis is about. Suddenly, 
through omission or commission, bidden or unbidden, you're going to realize, wow, I'm imperfect, I'm a human being, and uh, what I have the right to do is to develop that that potential wisdom. So the myth is also a description of a pattern of also for psychological health for the feminine, uh, both in women and in men. So it it provides this model, so to speak, of, of incarnation, of ascension, of the rhythm of the healthy soul. And also the process of healing, this ebb and this flow, or if uh, you've ever um, done a, a detox, or even just wanted to change uh, a habit that, you know, once worked and now is becoming destructive. You know, we go through a healing crisis. The toxicity comes up, and whether the toxicity is physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, from the soul, you know, Ainana's descent uh, is viewed as, as a path, as a way that we can descend. Because... We need to let go of the powers that we think we have, and certainly that we've earned. They'll be there. They're waiting for you. It's it's not. It can't be totally taken away. But if we're going into a different realm, you know, it's like no guns at the at the dinner table. Sorry, nobody's allowed to shoot one another during dinner. That's etiquette. And there's ways of shooting people by insulting them or being rude or. Uh, subject matters that are upsetting to some people. No. That place, that exchange uh, at, at the at the dinner table is for nourishment, not argument. So that's part of what etiquette is about. How can we stay connected? And it's also an orientation into... a remembrance of making these uh, descents or or how our planet right now is passing through this amazing uh, phase. And it's, in many ways, returning to the remembrance of the Earth, of its dark mysteries, of the descent. And the remembrance of what has been lost to our culture of these of these energies and these symbols. So now Arushkagal, on the other hand, um, the dark sister of Vainana, she is queen of the underworld, and she is mourning her husband's death. So as Ainana goes deeper and deeper it's a journey as I said into the underworld the sister's not so interested in seeing her she's actually quite quite frustrated but uh, remember now Inanna is also the evening star and she kind of holds court at the at the time of uh, 
of the new moon um, to hear the gods petition and to be celebrated with music and feasting and staged and battles. And and she claims the me, which is the ordering principle, uh, and its potentials, its talents, its rights, of the civilized upper world. And as judge, she holds court to decree fate and to trample disobedience. So she symbolizes the capacity to evaluate periodically and make new. And she changes with the changing process as we need to change with the changing process. As I, in a Ainana, needs to change with the process. Very often, when there's a, a great desire, whether it be accomplishment, whatever it might be, there can be great disappointments. A, because we need to refine what we're up to. It's, it's not just like, gee, I want this. I want to accomplish that. It's what are we? What are we? What are we willing to do and be? You know, let's just say that it's love. You know, are we willing to give up our, our, or transform our um, kind of girlish fantasies that some other person was born to make us happy? Uh, that's pretty prevalent in our culture. No, your happiness is the is the one that you work on within your own self. And you share, and you hopefully are in relationship with friends and people and family members who bring out the best, because some people that just bring out the best in you, and there are other people that do not bring out the best in you. So you stay away from the people that don't bring out the best in you. Or if you have to be around them, let's say it's a boss or something, then just say, okay, this person is 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 my shadow provoker. This I can use this situation because I can then see what I don't know about myself. You know, there can be killer fantasies, or that, um, or we can get so insulted, or we can get terrified of another's envy, or we can suddenly realize our own jealousies are envies because this person does not bring out the bestness. It's kind of it is our dark sister, Arushkagal. Use it. Don't abuse it. And don't project it back out. You're being given a gift. It doesn't exactly feel like a gift, but it is a gift. Because it's like a thousand years of therapy, just talking to this person for five minutes, because so much stuff comes up. Uh, it's like, wow. Amazing how just another human being who happens to mirror now that doesn't mean you're exactly like that person it means that person may have qualities that you fear you have or you know somewhere in 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 the depths of your being that's floating around inside of you too then um rather than projection and actually projection is the only way we're going to know about ourselves that's why we have it 
I know that's a hard thing to accept, but that's what it's about. Something suddenly comes up. And that's also the golden shadow, too. You can see somebody is so marvelous. They're just beyond human. Well, you know, that's your divinity that you're having them wear. And sometimes we need that. Sometimes the person needs to hold that, the gold that is in us. Because we can't carry it ourselves. It's too much. We don't know, what's, we don't know how to use it. We don't know um, what its purpose is. We don't know anything. So we, we give it to whomever to hold that uh, wisdom or genius or anger or delight. You know, people will constantly project their own passions and their own sexuality onto a, an image that has nothing to do with them. Gee, if I will only look like this, that, or the other, according to some faux magazine, you're projecting your sexuality, your passion. You're giving that stranger all you got, girl. No, you don't do that. You hold it. It's yours. It's not what you're wearing. It's who you are. It's the life force, the libido, the energy that is Venus itself, is Eros itself. Eros is what keeps the cosmos together and alive. This loving, related principle that's not based on whether we're good or not. It's based on its own dynamic energy. So this goddess, this Inanna, who obviously is the goddess of sexual love too, and she sings these ecstatic songs, and she adorns herself, and she's filled with desire and delights in lovemaking openly, feeling that openly, knowing that every cell in your body is alive, and that sweetens life and who we are. And I tends to be a little more extroverted than than uh, the Grecian Venus or Aphrodite. Actually, Venus is Roman uh, because she craves and she takes and she desires and she destroys, and then she gives desire from within. But then she claims her need uh, in a very assertive way, and she celebrates her body in song. When was the last time you celebrated your body in song? Great way to start the day. Celebrating your body in song and delight. The ancients say, before we had language, we sang. Everything was sung. So think on that one a little bit. And her receptivity is action. She's not passive. She's not, uh, you know, I'll stand here and one day you'll love me. She's like, no, you will love me because I will be in your face because I am here and I am the principal of that. So as a daughter of the gods, 
She knows it. That's the beauty. Ainana knows she's Ainana. She knows she's queen of heaven and earth. And she also knows what she doesn't know, which is the underworld. And she knows in order for her to be whole, in order for her to truly be, um, in, in a sense, a complete goddess, right? a triple goddess, Mother Virgin Crone, she must meet a part of herself or a part of the cycle of life that she knows nothing of. So that's pretty extraordinary. This that she has this need, that she knows that it's right. So she leaves Honey Man on on the throne to take over her kingdom as she makes her descent. And as she makes her descent, she has to go through the seven gates, just like um, Sigmund had to go through the seven gates. Sigmund is the... uh, thirsty of goddess in in Egyptian uh, mythology. So next week we are going to cover Arushka Gal and her uh, traits and wisdom and what this symbolizes. So she's queen of the dead. And her name means lady of the great place below. And she lives in this somewhat alien place and certainly was outside the patriarchal consciousness. And she was, when she was on the upper world, she was a grain goddess. So you see, these goddesses and gods evolve um, and um, travel in different places and become more of who they are. So the myth of Arishkagal and the qualities of Arishkagal are paradoxical. She's both, as we are too. If we look at everything in life, what we find intolerable is a paradox. Both are true. Now, how do we keep from favoring one over the other and what they would look like together? Within our, within our own life. So this shamanistic journey of Ainana, we all go through at some point. The tragedy is when we don't know it. The tragedy is when we call it uh, something that it's not, and then we just want to get rid of it, and I don't want to have these feelings, and, you know, I don't want the negative. It's not negative. It's just the opposite. And how do you know you don't want it? You've never been there. Why don't you try it? And then when you when you start to see and you can compare, then so much more is going to happen. Um, so these psychological, you know, psyche rules, these different stages of psychological development are not easy. They're not supposed to be because they, it all demands a sacrifice. And uh, you, you're going to make the sacrifice truth or dare anyway. 
So this descent into the underworld, we will continue to uh, explore the initiation rites of women and the anima in men. So till next week, bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.